Welcome to Cape and Ray Hall, nestled in the beautiful landscapes between England's national parks. As a Bible school, we offer short-term courses aimed at fostering your spiritual growth and living in a community. Our historic manor house has something for everyone. You can enjoy indoor and outdoor adventures, connect with students from around the world, and learn how to deepen your relationship with Jesus Christ. Search Cape and Ray England for more information. Leadership File on Premier. Welcome to the show which talks to Christian leaders about the topics that really matter. I'm Andy Peck. And often forgotten element in full-time church leadership is the role of the family. The spouse can have a challenging role to play, especially as the expectations of the congregations are unstated. Children, too, can find themselves facing unwitting pressure, especially in the goldfish bowl of church life. Uh, One of the parents, often the dad, seems to be on call all the time, and their own faith development can be affected by pressures to conform. Well, to discuss this, I'm joined by Roland and Ali and Rachel Clear. Roland served in pastoral ministry at Barton Road Evangelical Church and also in Rayleigh uh, Church in Essex. Uh, Ali has worked as a specialist midwife, uh, and crisisy pregnancy counsellor, as well as wife, mum, and ministry leader. Rachel is one of their daughters. She's 23 and lives, worships, and works in Oxford, having grown up with her dad serving as a pastor, and indeed survived to tell the tale. Roland and Ali now serve with the charity On Track Ministries, which, among other things, aims to help pastor pastors. So, uh, welcome back, guys, to the Leadership File. Thank you. Good to be with you, Andy. Uh, welcome, welcome to Rachel, who joined us uh, joins the conversation now. Listeners can listen to our first conversation online, uh, and so uh, I, I guess they won't know that we didn't quite cover all the questions. Uh, so, in any case, it's great to ra- welcome ra- Rachel to the the conversation. So, welcome back, uh, as I say, uh, all of you. Let's start from um, from your perspective, uh, Roland, if we may. Uh, it is said that the temptation is for the minister to commit adultery with the church. Uh, their emotional and physical energy is sat by the church and the time commitment is high. Let's talk about how that worked for you uh, and how it could have been managed perhaps in a better way and what might be a healthy pattern of life for a spouse who might be aware of this danger. I believe, uh, Andy, really this is a real issue for many in ministry today, um, given the numerous demands that are encountered on a daily basis in church leadership. Uh, we're probably all of us is listening in, aware of uh, the routine sermon prep, Sunday worship, uh, pastoral care, funerals, weddings, baptism, uh, numerous meetings that seem to um, appear in the diary on a regular basis, as well as trying to sort out vision and uh, keep things on track uh, as the church seeks to move forward with building kingdom. And obviously there's a load of admin um, with uh, all the technology that's uh, thrown at us today. And that in the midst of the successes as well of church, because uh, I'm conscious this can come across sometimes as quite negative. Um, but with the uh, challenge that you put out there of committing adultery um, with commitment to church and the like, um, I think that can come through great success as well. And all this while dealing with the expectations of uh, the church family uh, that we're leading and serving, however realistic and at times unrealistic that may be, uh, lack of resources sometimes in the church to achieve a God-given vision, 
and maybe sometimes even an unhealthy practice of marriage and family life in terms of uh, how we handle time. And I think the final thing I'll just say there is, is for some, I think, a, a need for, for us to be in control, which is often linked uh, where an individual finds their significance and self-worth and security. So how did it work for me? Generally, I would say well, and without trying to uh, cushion things too much. Uh, in both churches in which I served, I was blessed by being part of a team ministry uh, with good support and accountability, not just from the team I worked with, but also with a wider leadership team as well. I think Ali and I sought to have uh, good communication uh, between ourselves. Uh, didn't always achieve that, but uh, that was an aim that we had, and we've always in our marriage had uh, that ability to talk together. Uh, and along with our three daughters, he would tell me if they thought things weren't going well. But that said, there were times, I'm, I'm very conscious, where uh, things weren't always great. Um, I do recall one incident very vividly um, when I had had a full-on day in the church and uh, came home and Ali wanted to chat through some stuff. And I can remember turning around to Ali and saying something along the lines, well, I've been listening to people all day and I just don't have the capacity now to pick up with anything that you want to, to be saying and sharing. And just as I said those words, it was a real wake-up call thinking, goodness, I know I've got a commitment to church here, but that I haven't got time or energy now for Ali um, did seem to be uh, to be a real disappointment. And often as I was walking home, um, I was conscious of just trying to download a whole load of stuff that had been part of life in the church and uh, be ready for Ali and the girls. Although they were very sensitive, sometimes they'd give me space as I came in. Um, but also I was, I was conscious through my own early years in ministry that there was a, a drivenness in me, in my need to be needed, my desire to please people. And it's something I've had to continue to work at um, over the years. Um, and I guess other times in ministry, uh, things are just tough. Um, you go through those seasons, um, as well as the successes, as well as, as I was mentioning earlier, where it, very, um, it is very easy just to get swallowed up with all that's going on. And the final thing, because it would be good to hear from Ali on this and her perspective, um, you were asking how things could be managed in a better way. I think realizing that any of us are not indispensable, delegation is key, um, at times exercising a tougher love in certain situations with certain people, uh, having agreed boundaries with Ali and the girls and seeking to keep to them as well. And the final thing for me um, is that whole area that we're involved in now in terms of having uh, somebody who was my mentor. I wish in my early years I'd had somebody who, to whom I was accountable that they'd asked me the, the right questions, the important questions um, of how life was going, uh, both in my relationship with God, with Ali, with the girls, as well as with church. But uh, I'll pass over to Ali, and she can just uh, maybe fill you in on that spouse's perspective as well. Yeah, thanks, Ali. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, there's a couple of things I'd say. First of all, um, don't stuff your concerns is the first thing. You know, it's very easy as a um, uh, minister's wife to um, make allowances for, for your husband and rationalize their behavior. And, you know, he's doing God's work. I can't make demands of him and so on. Um, but the truth is, if we stuff our concerns, it can lead to all kinds of problems later down the line, burnout for the individual, you know, marriage problems and so, and so on. Um, so it's really important that you don't stuff those concerns, but you actually talk about them. Um, talk about them between yourselves and get those accountability partners that Ronan was mentioning. Um, maybe marriage mentors, people who walk with you with your marriage and will speak truth into your life and 
hold you to account for stuff. Um, and the other thing I would say is that, you know, your relationship is so important as a married couple in leadership. One of the greatest gifts a leader can give their church is a great marriage. Um, I was reminded recently that Paul was, says in, in Ephesians 5 that the Christian marriage is an illustration of the intimate relationship Jesus desires with his church. So the leader's marriage is important and should be nurtured and prioritised. Thank you. Uh, and Rachel, your perspective on all this is you've uh, obviously you grew up in this kind of environment. Tell us about how, you're, how you felt. Sure. I think... Um, I will say a fair few negative things in a second, but yes. I think there were also good things just yeah. about. There is a disclaimer to start with. But um, it's fair to say that from what I've seen of a parent in full-time ministry, the church isn't just a Monday to Friday, nine-to-five job, which does make sense because Jesus isn't a nine-to-five God. Indeed. <laughs> he doesn't just yeah. turn off. So I think that there's a, there's a fairness in that to some extent. But um, the reality was that Dad wasn't in most evenings, or um, when he was, he might have had a meeting in our house, which I love to try and sneakily listen in on, see if I could get, <laughs> get any news out of that one. Um, and though Dad would be in for dinner most days, he wasn't always engaged. I guess what he was saying earlier about um, coming in, just wanting to switch off, but um, when that was the only time we'd seen him, he could feel a bit distant um, in the evenings. And to some extent, I guess I felt the church may have had more of Dad's emotional and physical energy than us children as a result. Um, uh, I guess at times I could get quite cross with the church for what I felt was taking away some of the person that we believe should have been fully investing in us at the time. No, that's, that's, that's I, I thoroughly understandable, I think. And, uh, um, you know, good, good, good to get that perspective. Uh, uh, moving on, many many ministerial involves including a training element, so curacy for three years or an assistant role, which often leads to moves early on in ministry and disruption to life, and then everything kind of changes. Um, so, I suppose when you when you become married in a uh, to, to a someone in, in this kind of role, you need to be prepared for a degree of change. You're ministering to people, uh, Roland and Ali, in in this kind of field. You're often coming across this kind of thing. Yes, it. it it, it does happen a great deal. Uh, and to a certain extent, it goes with the job. So you have mm. to expect that it may happen. Um, but that, having said that, doesn't make it easy. You know, there's so many factors in there. You know, if you've got children, um, you may have to move uh, and change schools for the kids. You know, you've got to find another house. And where are you going to live? And the actual process of moving is, is, is traumatic. You know, and it's what you're leaving behind as well as what you're going into. Um, and as a spouse, particularly, you may have a job that you love that you have to leave because of your, you know, your partner's work. So, it, you know, there are lots and lots of issues, as you say. Um, I think one of the most important things is that as an individual, um, I know I needed to cultivate a deep personal relationship with God so that, you know, my security, significance and self-worth were found in him and not in the circumstances, uh, which made the moving that bit easier. Um, when we made decisions to move, it was a joint decision. Um, and there was always an element of excitement about what might happen when we moved somewhere new as well. Um, but I think perhaps the most important thing was that I had to come to a place of trusting that if the move was right for Roland, it would also be right for me and the girls, and however daunting that may seem. Um, and to trust that I've got a Heavenly Father who loves me as an individual, and he's big enough to sort all the pieces and bring them together. 
Um, but that did mean that I had to submit my will to his, which on occasion has meant that I've had to make sacrifices. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's something that happens, and that to a certain extent, you have to expect it. Well, you're listening to The Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Roland, Ali and Rachel Clear. And we're looking at uh, family life and church leadership. We'll be back just after this. Welcome back to The Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Roland, Ali and Rachel Clear. Roland served in pastoral ministry in, uh, in Canterbury and in Essex. And uh, we're talking particularly about the, uh, the challenges on family life that are brought about by church leadership and... Uh, uh, we we were talking particularly before the break at some of the uh, the kind of perspectives from Roland and Ali. And we're going to focus particularly in the second half to some extent on on Rachel and your perspective and growing up with a dad in in pastoral ministry. So, um, first of all, uh, Rachel, did you feel any pressure from the church to perform to be a model child to demonstrate your faith? Uh, I think I did feel some. I would say that we were part of quite a big church so I think actually it was kind of diffused a little bit and it wasn't so intense because there wasn't so much pressure on us as being the only pastor's children there were other people in leadership there were other children to kind of share Mm. that um, responsibility Um, but there definitely was some level of conformity pressure that I felt Um, whether that was real or imagined I, I can't say that whether people were actually kind of passing their judgment or whether that was just my issue um I guess we're, we're told in Matthew 5 that we're a light on a hill, and I can only describe it as sometimes feeling like we've got to be the brightest, most beaming, <laughs> shining light that is out there, um, which is quite difficult, um, has been quite difficult. Um, um, yeah, so, and that applies to what we say, what we do, what we think. Um, and not only um, from, our, from our Christian friends at church, but from our non-Christian friends outside mm. as well. I think when they knew what Dad did, there was this pressure of, oh, should you be doing that? Should you say that? And, um, and I actually think that that pressure had then a detrimental effect on my home life because what I would do is on the outside, I would try and be this golden girl um, and try harder to be that person in public. But then behind closed doors, mum and dad would get what I would call the explosive side of me. So they would see the bad bits and they would have to deal with um, my frustrations with that which didn't help alongside their struggles and their exhaustion that they were feeling. Um, but I'd say that m- mum and dad particularly never put that pressure on me. Um, yeah, never made me feel like I had to be a model child. It was something that was unspoken, um, but was particularly felt in church setting, I would say. Well, thank you. Um, would you, do you were your, both your sisters feeling the same kind of things as you, do you think? Would they answer differently? I think we've spoken a little bit, and I think mm. we'd all say quite similar things. Mm. Um, Mum and Dad give, gave us a pretty similar upbringing, I would say. Uh, I think a couple of things do come into it, though. So personality, I think that actually does play a part yes. in the way that uh, the extent to which you feel you've got to conform. So if you're a bit of a people pleaser and want to make yeah make people happy, then you might feel that pressure a bit more. But um, maybe the more rebellious or strong-headed amongst us might react differently and actually say, "No, I'm going to rebel and I'm not going to I'm not going to feel that pressure. I'm not going to take it and I'm going to kind of act differently." Um, also, I think age comes into it a lot. I know that at certain times of my teenage years, I felt the pressure to conform and be a role model child more than others I'd say kind of 13 to 16 are really identity forming years having worked with young people a fair bit 
and you're trying to work out who you are and where you fit in and you're listening to the other voices and the pressures around you and church for a pastor's child is one of those pressures um, and it's difficult to kind of balance that and say oh yeah where do I fit in with that um, where does my identity lie um, but I do think that at whatever age as you become more rooted in your own faith as I've become more rooted in my identity in Jesus um, the truth of God's identity spoken over me is the final word and that frees me from any expectations whether they were real or imagined um, so there's kind of spirit my spiritual maturity and growth really influenced the extent to which I felt that conformity pressure from the church Oh, oh, thank you. No, thanks for being so candid as well about <laughs> some of the challenges. Uh, uh, were you aware of being uh, needing to be shielded from anything as such as you were growing up? You talked about trying to listen in on, uh, on some of the conversations. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, I've always been... Dad used to call me Sonic, actually, didn't you? Because <laughs> I would always try and listen in and he'd say, oh, look, here she goes again. But um, in, all, yeah, in all seriousness, I think Mum and Dad did a great job of protecting us. I know now being an adult, speaking to them... I know there were things that they didn't tell us, and I think that was very wise, and I think that is a good thing. Um, because, as we're told in the Bible, the church is full of sick people who need help. It's not full of perfect people who've got it together. So the issues that um, Dad was having to face wouldn't have been helpful if we knew them all. Um, so the nature of his job would be, on the other hand, that sometimes people would just turn up at our front door and need some food or some help with something so it was unrealistic to think that um that we could have been shielded from everything i sure, guess sure, sure. and there's one example that i was talking about earlier to mum and dad and there was i was probably in in eight or nine i remember being in my bedroom and revising for an exam and i heard a knock at the door and as you do you kind of listen out to hear who it was and um a lady from our church turned up and pretty much the only way I can describe it is had a mental breakdown and some of the noises she was making and um, the things that were kind of being heard were quite disturbing and upsetting for us children and um, I remember that being quite difficult to handle at the time but I'd say a solution to that and um, a way that that was dealt with really well was that mum and dad after things like that would talk to us and explain kind of what as much as they could what was happening and that was really really helpful because as I said, you, we can't be shielded from everything, and um, they did a great job where they could at shielding us. Mm. Um, obviously, a lot of leaders listening will be parents. Um, any thoughts about how you create the best situation for their children growing up? You've already hinted at that, I guess, in some of your answers. So the best situation for children growing up, well, <clears throat> that's a tough one. <laughs> um, I think it's kind of different for every family, isn't it, really? Um, Rachel's got something she'd like to say on it. Let me pass you to Rachel. Okay. Yeah, so I was having a little think earlier about some top tips that I could perhaps give to parents. Um, I'm not saying that's the final word, like have a think about it for yourself, but some things that either mum and dad have done for me or things that I think would have been helpful at the time. So firstly, I think having God's perspective on your children. So your children are equally God's children as much as those people who you provide pastoral care for, and perhaps that might be easy to lose sight of. So remember that um, your teenager who's sitting up in their bedroom right now is just as much a child of God that needs pastoral support as those people in your church. 
that need care for. Um, and I totally understand that sometimes things come up. So I was, perhaps as an example, like um, there's a parent's evening at school and all of a sudden you get a call from someone in your church who really needs your help. Um, and that's fair enough if the parent needs to go to care for that person in the church. But as long as you sit down with your child and explain that why you're doing it and that how God's heart is for that person and you're doing it out of that and not because you don't care for your child. So um, remember your children are equally God's children. Uh, have boundaries of conversations that you have around them. I know I said I was nosing in, but I do think that shielding was really helpful. So do have uh, maybe rules that you won't talk about certain private things in the church when the children are awake still or um, whatever you think is helpful for yourselves. Um, Prioritise time together, doing completely unrelated church activities as a family, where that fits in. So I think this is a really helpful way of um, letting us as children see that um, God is at work in your life and how that manifests in the everyday kind of things. Um, One thing that mum and dad have been really great at showing me recently is exemplifying Sabbath living. So showing what it means to rest and what it means to work hard because I think in our busy culture we can be um, very good at not resting and not stopping and even in church life so that's really helpful oh, thank you thank you Rachel very much there's some great no tips there yeah you done yeah oh, can I say one more yeah please do sorry mm. um, so or oh, two more things mm. one sorry I'll be really quick pray protection over your children also because yes, I think that's been really helpful I know mum and dad have done that since we were very young they've always prayed protection over mm. us mm. Um, and we weren't always hidden from everything but pray that protection and mine I didn't mention earlier but mine and dad's relationship actually the tension of me kind of wanting more of him and him being exhausted led to a couple of years where we were had a really rocky relationship mm. um, but I believe that kind of covering of prayer has really protected us and the Holy Spirit has kind of wiped away the enemy's plans to ruin our relationship mm. Mm. and my protection and my perspective of the church has really um, not suffered from that as well which mm. is incredible mm. and finally um, for parents to encourage exploration of, the, of faith in God but don't smother them and don't kind of pressure them to be at church uh, the incredible thing is that we are saved by grace and that it's God who does the saving. So there's not a pressure that parents should feel that they've got to do that and they've got to save them. It's God who's going to do that um, and he will do it. So kind of trust in him, pray into the children and to encourage them where possible to explore their faith in God. That's brilliant, Rachel. Thank you so much for, for, for that perspective. I think that's going to help help a lot. Uh, time is almost uh, gone, guys. We've just got a time to talk a little bit about on-track ministries, which um, Roland and Ali, of course, are part of, and, and just time to maybe give the work and contact details for folk who want to learn about a bit more about that. Yeah, sure. Um, our commitment, Andy, in all of this is that authentic living leads to authentic leading. And along with our co-workers, Dave and Marion Edwins, we are seeking to support those in frontline Christian ministries by encouraging them, equipping them, and enabling them in all different areas of both life and ministry. And we do this by offering mentoring, coaching, pastoral care, training, resourcing, and simply just being there for people um, to celebrate the successes as well as the challenges that come into ministry as well. And if you think we might be able to help in any way, then do visit our website, which is www.ontrackministries.co.uk, 
where you'll be able to find our contact details and email us and uh, it'd be great to hear from anybody um, that might need some support or encouragement well um, as we've said in the previous conversations uh, you know this is a Sadly, too many leaders are, are battling away on their own, often without any help. And I'm sure there'll be some who beat their path to your door. So thank you for, for being open to that and for sharing today on this, this key area of, 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 ch- of church leadership as, you know, and, the, and the role of the family. So thank you. Our oh, pleasure. Thanks, so thank you to Roland and thank you to Ali and thank you to Rachel, uh, their daughter, uh, as we've looked at this key area. And if you're you know, in, in any way seeking to... To, to bring up a family alongside your church leaders, I'm sure many many of you are, then uh, I trust this program has been of help and encouragement uh, to you. And as I say, there's the offer to go to On Track uh, Ministries if that's uh, at all appropriate for you. So you've been listening to Leadership File. Uh, you can listen to archive versions of Leadership File, including this one in due course, uh, by going to Premier's own website and going to the On Demand section. But I look forward to your company again next Sunday at 3.30. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to The Leadership File on Premier. Andy Peck serves as a tutor at CWR, a Christian charity whose courses and publications aim to apply God's word to everyday life. Contact him via email apeck at cwr.org.uk.